Welcome back, everyone, to Just James Horror Reviews. I am your host, Just James, and today, episode number eight, we'll be interviewing Carson Winter on his new title, Soft Targets, available now for pre-order at tenebuspress.com. Hello, my name is Carson Winter. I'm the author of Soft Targets, I'm coming from Tenebris Press on March 22nd. I'm Just James, the Just James Horror Reviews podcast. Uh, super excited to have Carson on the show today. Uh, glad that someone's actually willing to come on here and talk to me. I was excited that Tenebus Press was nice enough to give me an advanced reading copy of this to uh, look at and review. And I will do a, a more deep, more in-depth review later on after the book's had time to sell and people have had time to get their hands on it. But today, just wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, just my thoughts on the book as I read it, no spoilers involved, um, and just to kind of get to know you as an author and then your thought process as far as, you know, while you were writing it and characters and just diving into a little deeper into the theory and all that that went into the book. So, fuck yeah. That's, uh, yeah. So, let's crank right into it, man. I noticed some of the movie comparisons that you had gotten into. Some people said uh, Fight Club. Um, Groundhog Day. I think those are oh, yeah, absolutely those are appropriate. Ones. Yeah, mm-hmm. appropriate comparisons there. Have you ever seen Falling Down? I'm gonna throw a bunch of nineties movies at you. I okay, so I like watched a little bit of it when I was like maybe like a 14 year old. Because I had I, another <laughs> kind of like nerdy friend who was like, Oh man, you gotta watch this. But and my memory might totally be failing me right now. But I was like a huge movie snob back then. Oh I was yeah. Like, Oh, this is directed by Joel Schumacher. I'm never gonna watch this. Right. Yeah. So, I, so I bailed on it because I like for some reason I drew just like a hard fucking line on like Joel Schumacher, Joel Schumacher yeah. when I was 14. But <laughs> right, I, I yeah. heard it's like it's a uh, it's a movie hard to have defining taste. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was like a really difficult 14 year old. <laughs> yeah very snobby but no i haven't seen all of falling down now now i'm feeling like maybe i should watch it like you think it's like banging is it a good movie oh yeah just uh, well as far as like uh, compared to the content in the book and all that falling down is definitely something that i think these movies that i'll list out uh anyone that's interested in those movies or has seen them is actually i think they'll love this book because it kind of ties in a lot of themes without being you know it's not a copycat by any means but that's what everyone does today. We all compare things oh, yeah. we've already seen or consumed to stuff that's coming out, which sometimes you know, can be to our detriment, I think, in the horror genre. It's it's true, but it's also like, you know, no art exists in a vacuum. So it's like, you know, I've been influenced by a lot yeah, of shit. Well it's kind of it's kind of funny, though. Like you were talking about 90s movies and stuff. And I was thinking about it. And I was like, oh, man, like this book is like hella 90s in a lot of ways because there was that like trend in like 90s cinema where there were yeah. so many movies about like the disillusioned um, yeah, the rat race. middle class white yep. guy, like fighting back against That's whatever. Right. Yeah. You know, matrix fight club, uh, falling down office space. I mean, yep. it's like almost a subgenre um, in and of itself. Yeah. And I think too, uh, well, now that we're going to get on the movie topics here, I think too, that's kind of a, a shedding of, you know, the flip side of that coin was the movies around those same times that were starting to fade out was uh, like Rambo 
and um, any Arnold Schwarzenegger movie and all that kind of stuff where you had these big, huge macho guys that were just, you know, monsters. And then Fight Club was kind of saying like, you know, we all said we were going to be those guys. And now we're here just pushing paper in an office, you know, with a hundred other people with some oh, that's twit. Really at smart. The... Yeah, that's 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 good. Wait, the head of the I like that. Yeah. 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 And it's so funny. I was just watching Predator the other day and man, 80 Schwarzenegger is fucking huge. I, I know. Yeah. How big that guy's arms it's, are. It's inhuman. They're like bigger it's than crazy. my head. Like if I was going to pick someone to fuck up an alien, I would totally pick yeah. like, Andy Schwarzenegger. Same That's with right. like, Stallone in First Blood. That dude is ripped. Yeah. I don't it's... even know why I let my wife watch that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is out of control how they and, and then what's funny, too, is I remember I saw a recap of like some older movies where um, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence were looking back at their uh, first bad boy movies and they were mm. talking about how they had zero muscle tone. And you think about in Die Hard, you know, he wasn't ripped up, you know, huge bulbous shoulders and a six pack and all that. You know, he was just a very uh, just your average guy with a with a you know give no shit attitude badass yeah. kind of attitude but those guys weren't all ripped up they were still action heroes so i think that was the that was the wave you had the peak of predator killing you know body physiques and you dip down into this rat race you know whatever and then it kind of jumps back up of like hey okay we're not steroid blasting you know living in the gym type uh, alien killers but we still you know can fight the yeah. Bad guy, right? Anyway, I'm getting like, sidetracked. Kinda, no, no, no. That's great <laughs> because that's like uh it is kind of like maybe those movies were like part of this, like, okay, we're we're coming to grips with the fantasy, the fantasy of yeah. like, you know, the male archetype in film. And now, you know, we're we're all fucking in our thirties or forties, and we're realizing that doesn't exist for us. We that's are right. yeah. Yeah, we're struggling and we're mad and we need to talk about it. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we were we were uh, sold an image, I guess. You know, yeah, absolutely. We were promised that we were going to be, and you know, just barbarians that could uh, do a bunch of shit. And then we got good at Word, perfect, and Excel, <laughs> and then that was the end of that. <laughs> we're yeah. like, well, maybe I don't have to do it. Maybe I don't have to spend hours in the gym. I can make it do another shit. I can just be smart. I mean, man, if if you can really, if you really know Excel, man, that's that's worth something. I gotta say, like Excel's pretty yeah. crazy. It's a superpower. Uh, oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, I took but, like uh, one course in college. It blew my mind, man. I, yeah, I was showing it, my wife how, how, that I was like budgeting now, and that lasted for like a week. But I was like, look at this. I could add columns. That's right. Yeah, you're like, this column, see, if you just put the number in, it mm -hmm. adds the percentage for you. It's like, there's, oh, shit. There's oh, formulas. Yeah. I know yeah, that's right. now. Yeah. <laughs> there's whole, you. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's whole YouTube videos uh, dedicated to the tricks and, and oh. tips and all the things you can do. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, that's hot. It's super mind numbing, but also, uh, ridiculously impressive. So I'm not even going to watch porn anymore. That's what I'm going to watch <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. Please, <laughs> please beat videos. off to Excel. Videos. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's awesome. Okay. So going down the list, uh, falling down. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, definitely check it out. Just, it's, uh, it's a guy that's had enough and it's very nineties and the whole thing is just really cool. And I'll say the, uh, it's got elements that are a lot like this. Um, well, I don't want to say because I don't want to give anything away, but 
I'll tell you about it later. Uh, office office space, I think, yes. kind of tied into this a little bit, just as far as like the attitude of, you know, things we just discussed. Have you ever seen Rampage? It was kind of a B no, horror I haven't movie. Seen Rampage. Uh, not not the one uh, based off the old Nintendo game with the. Okay, with that's what the I was rock. thinking. Yeah, not with the rock and the big uh, white gorilla and the uh, oh, lizard man. and all that stuff. No, I was like, not what that. What an one. interesting comparison. Yeah, James. well, you're like. <laughs> Let's see where he goes with right, that. Go? Yeah, this uh, be, uh, let me watch this plane crash. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, Rampage is a it's a 2009 film about a guy almost zero setup. Mm. He just gets guns and a bunch of like self-made body armor and just goes on a killing spree. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, really a weird movie to make, I think in in 2009 and it really was it was a mass shooting like movie like that was the whole premise of the movie it didn't give you a whole lot you didn't find out like oh this dude's pissed off at uh you know society or a person or a a a business or corporate america or anything it was kind of like this this mindless you know uh violence and yeah that was yeah that was the whole movie i was like (laughs) holy shit what am i watching yeah (laughs) yeah i had to give my brain a wash after that one but that's that's so uh yeah so uh and that i think they ended up making two more of them that I read sucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, I guess given the stuff that happened in the news since then, I guess they were trying to capitalize in some kind of sick way. But either yeah, way, that's so, crazy. Especially because, like, you know, you would think like those kind of movies would be out of vogue for a lot longer than they have. Cause like Columbine, that happened in what, like the late 90s or something, I think. Yeah. I, think I mean, so. it feels it's, right. It's been a fucking minute, right? Right. Um, and I, I feel like once Columbine started, like it just it never stopped, um, at least for, you know, people my age. I, I don't know how right, old yeah, you like, are, but it seems like, you know, since that time, um, it's, you know, shootings have been kind of this uh, in this weird place where it's like a it's a ta- it's a taboo, but right. it's also like a taboo we're constantly surrounded by. Um, oh yeah, which absolutely. is kind of strange. It's like we we're not really supposed to talk about it or acknowledge it. We can just kind of be like, oh, thoughts and prayers on Twitter, but yeah. then you know we forget about it in four days because there's another one. Yeah, exactly. And I really like the way uh, actually your book touched on that very subject, kind of with the the narrator and what how he talked about it. Is I think how a lot of people that you know, just in, and I'll talk about this here in a minute, but the, the millennial, your regular, just millennial dudes or people conversation is, this is kind of how they talk about it. But, you know, when you're in the public sphere, whether that's online or at work or in front of uh, coworkers or something like that, you know, it's, you can't always talk about, you know, this kind of stuff or a movie like rampage, like, Oh, this dude puts on armor, goes on killing spree. It's nuts. It's like, why the fuck would you watch that? You know? Yeah. And you're like, well, it's a movie, man. I don't I don't know. Yeah, like tell me. I want to see what it was about. You know, why would you watch a movie about war? It's not fun Mm -hmm. to watch. You know, I mean, but it's 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 on there. You know, it's uh, which again ties into the whole catharsis stuff. It's just really so. uh, I thought it had a little bit of an American Psycho uh, element, just because of kind of the corporate. um, Yeah, yeah, I can see that in 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 this world. Like you're in the corporate world, but you're still having these kind of thoughts. And I, I think it was more like the boss kind of thing how how you reference the the guy that would come in and give him shit all the time but yeah i think that's a kind of an interesting comparison because like you know with american psycho 
it, it's like these guys would like work in the mail room and would never meet Patrick Bateman, but they're yeah. kind of experiencing right, yeah. things in some way. <laughs> yeah. They're like this guy. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, did you ever see the butterfly effect? Uh, oh, 2004. I, I had an Ashton Kutcher. Kutcher, I've Kutcher. Like, Kutcher. I, I know a lot about it though. Cause I feel like okay. I've had it spoiled by like 60 different people in my life. Oh yeah. There's no way you can not know. You yeah, know, what it, <laughs> I remember it was like huge, and it was like that was like peak peak Ashton for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. But I think maybe it, even is, that is it worth is it worth it even after the show? Oh, that '70s show. Yeah, yeah. I think it was after that, so I think it was kind of his first time of maybe not his first movie, but the first one where it was more of a serious role. He wasn't just going to be playing like a goofy stoner or the the pretty boy, uh, you know? Yeah, something like that. And he actually did. You know, it's 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 hard to take him out of the role you've already seen him in, but he gives it a good shot. It's not like in uh, what is that movie with? It's called Twenty One or Twenty Two or something with oh, Jim like Carrey. Three. Twenty Three. Yeah. Yeah. Like I could Carrey. not, dude. I tried so hard. And Jim Carrey, you know, I was like, dude, you got, dude, you can do anything. And then in that movie, his <laughs> there's a scene where he's going, "Who is Top Secrets? Who?" And it was just, a, it looked like a skit from in living color and i was just like oh man fuck you ruined it bro i'm sorry so, it was it was so good that that's that's hilarious that you mentioned that one too because um that one also fell under my uh joel schumacher boycott <laughs> when i was a teenager <laughs> yeah yeah, I just, I yeah just that, had, that one's warranted that one's fine yeah so i was like oh holy shit it is schumacher man i really had it out for him like i just not <laughs> i i was not cool with those like uh those batman movies from the 90s apparently yeah, it, like you colored my entire yeah, the whole burn me once thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. no more <laughs> bat nipples for this guy. That's right. Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> I will never trust your opinion again. You put nipples on the bat suit, I'm done. Yeah, no, nothing worse for yeah, a yeah, because there had to be a hundred people that told him not to do that, and he did it anyways. And now, like, anyway. I, what I, a flex I think about it, and I'm like, okay, you know what? I, I get why he did it because he's talking about like trying to make him look like Greek gods and shit. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, like that's a that's a choice with intent. I like that, you know. I like the sure. idea, even if I it doesn't resonate with me. I, I'm kind of down with the thought process. Maybe I need. I'm in my 30s now. I'm gonna like yeah. it's a, reevaluate yeah, it's Joel Schumacher. <laughs> Maybe this is, this is my I Schumacher think still era. just like the nipples. I'm just gonna throw it out there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe, <laughs> but Lost Boys is pretty good. He did, yeah, maybe. He, I mean, he did the what? Lost Boys. I'm pretty sure he did Lost Boys. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's I don't always know who, you know, what's funny is I watched all these movies, seen all this horror stuff, and I couldn't, it's so hard for me to remember, you know, who does what. So a lot of times people, well, you know, this person did this movie and I always, I'm mad at myself. I'm like, I've seen it though. And I actually thought, I saw it and thought about it. You know, I can see me mindlessly, uh, you know, inter, you know, watching this, but. Uh, I'll say the last, the thing about the butterfly effect, how I thought it related to this, uh, to your book was just with something we'll talk about here in a minute, uh, that you, you coined the name. Uh, I'm assuming that you made, that you created this, the title reality oh, and yeah. butterfly effect kind of has, uh, some elements in there that are like that. There's something to me when I first saw it, that was what was so cool about it. It was this new idea to me anyway, at, at that time that I hadn't really considered in these like multiple realities i don't know if you remember an old show uh called sliders 
No, man. We're, Sliders. We're, we're, oh, man. If you, uh, it's. I have no idea what it played on, and it. If you look it up later on, you'll see you'll recognize the main characters and stuff in it. But it was like Quantum Leap after Quantum Leap was over. Oh, okay, okay, that's yeah. cool. I and it came on really Leap. late at night. I just remember seeing it real late at night when uh, Outer Limits used to come on. If you remember that old show called yeah. The Outer Limits, it was like a horror, uh, kind of like a Twilight Zone sort of type yeah. show. And, I saw uh, a little bit of that one. Yeah, yeah. I was so anyway, a huge fan of the old Twilight Zone, though. That was my shit growing up. Right. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, you know, yeah. bottle fed on, you know, it's the, the Twilight yeah. Zone. Just twisting America's youth in the best way. Those sci-fi channel marathons and stuff. That's right. Oh, man, that those were like that that would if I knew one of those was on, I, I knew what I was doing that weekend. I'd just like right. op- open to close Twilight Zone every day. And uh I actually saw some of those on what do they have them on? Netflix or something like that, that they might have a, a bunch of the old seasons on. Went back yeah, and revisited a bunch of those. And it's crazy now to watch those old shows and realize how big of an influence they've had on all the movies that I like since. So anything that anyone brings up, you can almost go back to an episode and point something out and be like, Hey, this is totally, I hate to call it a ripoff because like you said, it's not in a vacuum. You know, it's, there's nothing new under the sun kind of mentality. You know, it all comes from somewhere, but uh, you can watch those old shows and be like, Holy shit, this is, you know, this is the whole premise of this movie. You know, this is just a retelling of this 30 minute episode in a two hour movie. And the writing was just so good too. It was just, it was so impressive. Even like at its worst, it was still good. Um, I mean, I think Rod Serling kind of had a, uh, um, a Kingian um, sense of like sentimentality and some of his, uh worst episodes but they weren't really that bad like he's a sentimental guy right. like it's it's not that big yeah. of a deal he, he writes some sappy episodes sometimes but otherwise like right you you like watch the opening credits you see like a who's who of um fucking like sci-fi and horror masters of the era like yeah. uh i think like matheson wrote like a fuck ton of episodes or something yeah and I, I think back then too i mean there just wasn't anything to hide behind really you know yeah, effects wise and stuff like that, you just had to be able to tell a good. Yeah, it had to be like very character driven, emotional, emotional or within a human condition or whatever for people to actually for it to really scare them or cause any type of you know for uh, sure. reaction. I guess so. But I now we that sound was... old. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Well, back in my day, you know, we didn't have all these cool graphics. You couldn't just blow a whole building up. You actually had to talk about it. You just yep. had to describe it. Like this shit was out a bunch of 30 years before I was born. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Okay. Well, let me wrap up these movie comparisons. Uh, Last one I'll say is a uh, a 2007 film called Funny Games. I love Funny Games. Yes, man. I I got that feel. uh, As I read the book, um, well, I won't say more near the, you know, last third of the book, I kind of started to get that, the, some of the vibes from that uh, movie, I guess I saw how some of the themes from that movie could be tied in. And uh, as far as I think, and I, I watched a couple of videos about funny games back when I saw it, just to try to, you know, see what other people were saying about it. And uh, I like that you can see videos sometimes about what directors were trying to throw at people, mm-hmm. you know, what they were, what they meant, what this was all about. And they put a lot on there about how it's just uh 
I guess they were saying like the uh, American violence in television or, you know, or on the screen or whatever. And it was kind of like, well, hey, this is what you want to see. This is what you came to see. I'm going to show it to you and I'm going to sh- prove yeah. to you that you don't like this. I'm going to show you exactly what you're telling me you want to see and make you uncomfortable knowing that this is what you wanted, you know, kind of yes. felt it's like, like a total fuck you movie, which I love <laughs> it really my is. favorite kind of movie. Yeah. It just feels palpably angry. Like, it's just like, Hey, yeah, this is what you want. Well, fuck you. Here, here it yeah. is. Okay. You like yeah, that? We'll bitch? Do this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's all right. Oh, you're, <laughs> yeah. You're tough. You like scary. Yeah, another one like that we'll um, that comes to mind is um, a Serbian film, which I don't know if I'd actually... I love it. I personally love it. I think it's a great movie. I think it's really funny, kind of absurdist. Um, very, very pitch black, bleak. And, but it is totally like a fuck you movie where it is going out of its... It's going out of its way to show, I guess, kind of uh, the saccharine sentimental nature of like the Serbian film industry um and being like you know everyone's making rom-coms pretending like everything's okay when you know our country has problems so you know the dude makes this super aggressive porn filled violent um just like every taboo under the sun and it's totally like you know it's just like a getting like flipped off right to your face yeah. the entire movie it's hilarious though if you yeah. can stomach the content i'd beg anyone who is even considering looking it up like look, look up some of the content warnings for it because there, there's a fuck ton um there's yeah, a lot and what was the name of the film again a serbian film a serbian film <laughs> i thought you were just saying it is a serbian film i was like oh okay cool some serbian horror i don't we'll yeah. check that out. no it's just called a sir okay yeah cool. that's the title yeah Awesome. Yeah. Some of those, I mean, violence just for the sake of violence. Sometimes it, it just depends on the the tone and the, God, this sounds lame, the message of the movie, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, I, I don't have to prove anything by watching a certain film. You know, I want it. I, I want to get something out of it. And at the least I want to be entertained. And at the most, I want to think, you know, yeah, about yeah. what that person's trying to say or, or, you know, what they're trying to convey to me or, about you know what's going on whether it's individual uh social all that you know i don't want a movie with a message i'm like well horror has been all about the message ever since the beginning of horror i mean that's kind of what it's about you know it's so uh yeah i mean if it doesn't have anything like you know uh working kind of behind the concrete plot elements like what what the fuck do you have Right, yeah. You know, you're just gonna what a snuff film? Like, is that what right, you want? Exactly. You, yeah, <laughs> that's what that's what I'm saying. You just go watch like cartel execution videos. You freak. Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, grow up on faces of death like the rest of us and chill out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Go ahead and soak that in. Mm-hmm. And uh, but all right, well, cool. Well, uh, those are all the movie comparisons I had, just to kind of to keep to that the my side of things. I do want to start out talking about your your writing style uh the only um experience i have with your writing of course was uh this title and then um uh shit the, guts the one of that myth. i just reviewed the guts of myth yes the guts of myth the the buckets and buckets of of cum and blood that is yes 
the guts of myth. Oh man, I died laughing. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry that like, you know, and I've thought about this before, you know, as a writer, I'm sure you spend a lot. This is something that you have created. It's out of your brain. You've had to brainstorm it, write it, edit it. All this work has gone into it. And I sum it up as buckets of come in blood. So I don't mean to do that because I enjoyed the shit out of the story. Oh, That's no, not man. the only thing I got out of it, but I just thought for I some odd reason. I rewinded the podcast and I showed it to my <laughs> wife. I was like proud. I yeah. Was, <laughs> we were like, You're like I told you somebody something. would get it. I told yeah. you. <laughs> I was dying somebody. laughing because you were right. Like covered, like these people are just covered in blood and gum. Covered in it. Wow. I was like, oh, wow, man. All right. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah. yeah. These guys I don't know so what they did in there, but I want to know. <laughs> yeah. These guys got hyperspermia. That's what they call it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Maybe it's just being in the woods. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, you're so, blocked up. You got a yeah. release over your bro. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. It's just, that's right. Yeah. You're just helping your homie out, I guess. That's it. But no, but yeah, I did I did love that story and the whole uh the the noir aspect to it and then the main character. Um I like the way that was written. I like the way, and, and this book kind of does it too, where uh, it has one setting, kind of puts you into another setting, but you're in the you're in the first setting long enough to get comfortable for the for whatever that ride's going to be. So then, when the second half comes in and introduces a new element, uh, I think you're real good at doing that without it feeling like something cheap. Like, oh, okay, maybe his story was bogging down, so they're going to introduce this other thing that just to kind of keep it rolling. I felt like they tied together in a way that was uh, natural. It wasn't herky jerky, and it made sense. And it was at, you know, it was it was a part of the story because you wanted it to be, not because you needed something to, you know, because it was dragging in some area. But uh, and and I feel like that for both. So, but one of the things I wrote here for your writing is I like how you give just enough information for the reader to to build what they need for the story to progress and make sense and but you still leave enough room for you know like imagination uh, uh like a mystery kind of intrigue thing like oh okay I, you know i got enough information here but what's happening next you know to keep them keep them biting at that carrot to figure out what more you know it's just enough to say well, wait i need to know a little bit more about these guys or this situation to really define what's going on here so it's you know, I know I'm reading fiction, but there's enough realism and a uh, grit for it to feel, you know, realistic, especially in, in soft targets. Oh yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for saying that for one, because yeah. that is something um, it, it's important to me in writing, I think is kind of controlling the flow of exposition. And mm. um, ideally for me is I want to keep as much of it off the page as possible. I want to imply a lot of stuff so that yes. um, I think it's a more natural way to deliver information. If audiences, you know, can just kind of put those pieces together as they're reading in a way that just feels intuitive rather than like pressing pause on the story and being like, these guys are friends and they work at the same office, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, th I mean, I think even uh, speaking of that specifically, the first two chapters, uh, just kind of defining these two guys and their relationship, uh, just the conversations they were having. It was a typical uh, millennial conversation that that anyone could, you know, relate to having with their their office, you know, bro or whatever. Just a kind of normal day to day drag kind of shit that you would talk about. And uh, 
it's done. Um, I don't know. I feel like I like, like, I feel like as I read it, I'm like, I know this guy. Like, I know this guy that I talked to in the office like this, you know, I know these conversations. And so that's, I didn't know if that was something maybe you had modeled off just maybe you and someone, you know, or is this just something that you kind of oh, yeah. as you went along, like, you know, Oh, these are conversations we had. Let me put this in the book or, you know, or, or if it's something you were just kind of created, um, you know, as you were, as you were moving along the story. No, that shit's like torn straight from my life. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm a, uh, I, I, when I was writing this, I worked at a grocery store. Um, and, uh, one of the things, you know, the story I tell a lot is that um, at this grocery store, they have like a little pamphlet um, when, you know, a couple days after a different grocery store got shot up. Um, and it was like, um, when a uh, when a shooting occurs, this is what you do. But I was like laughing about it because it didn't it didn't say if a shooting oh, yeah. occurs. It said when, like, you know, wow. it was like yeah. it's, it's just an inevitability. Um <laughs> Like eventually we're gonna get shot up, and this is what you're gonna need to do. You're gonna have right. to throw like wow. a, a fucking stag chili can at this motherfucker and pray it hits. Um, yeah. But um, so yeah, like shootings and stuff, working in, with the public in like what many people would consider a soft target, a grocery store. Yeah. Um, you know these these topics just come up naturally with your coworkers, and depending on how close you are, how comfortable you are, especially with me, I tend to have like a little bit of a dark sense of humor. Um, and also just a need to entertain in general. So I'm always, uh, joking and trying to, uh, you know, get a laugh out of people or, you know, get this shit off my chest in some way. So like the fucking conversations about like, oh man, like our job fucking sucks so bad. I wish a shooter would come here so we could leave early on Friday or something (laughs) is, is just shit that has happened. It is normal shit that has happened many, many times. I'm sure in many, many places. And it, that was kind of the seed of soft targets was me kind of looking inwardly and being like, wow, this is, this is all very fucked up for one is that yeah. like, this right. shouldn't be something I'm joking about, but it is also something that this is a, this is a reality. And I started kind of examining like my internal um, thought processes and kind of how this related to, you know, the general work malaise and stuff, you know, where does all this shit come from? Where does this negative energy come from? So, yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, that absolutely explain. you know, having read the book that. It makes total sense as you say that, that that's exactly what me as the reader that I felt as I was going through it. So that's, um, it's cool to know that I wasn't totally off base, just, (laughs) just making stuff up as I went through it. Um, but... no, and I think it's like so important if you're a writer to pull from your own life like for me I know some writers you know there, there's different theories and I, I'll also preface this with saying like all, all writing advice and stuff is bullshit just you do whatever works for you and uh, that's that's awesome for me what works mm-hmm. for me is um, I like my stories need to be like very personal I want to put myself in them in some way um and for me i feel like this one is like exceptionally personal um it's like a lot closer to my life in some ways than other stuff i've written like the guts of myth i'm you know i'm not a bisexual british gangster in the 70s by any means right yeah but um but your minds went there you know i mean (laughs) haven't we i mean come on 
that's not it's, sure, it's not sure, it's sure. not out of touch you know to go there but no, i mean I, it, it I, comes from some uh yeah the, the the our heroes you know and then just to add other elements that you think are fun that's what i thought as i read guts of myth i was like you know and i think i even said that in the review about you know the main character I, he's not he's not a good dude and you never said he was a good dude but you're rooting mm-hmm. for this guy through the whole thing even you know even as he's doing this malicious shit, talking about not caring about like I'll I'll kill these people right now if if just because if I have to just because they're in the way, you know like yeah. the same way you'd kick a, a can out of the road because it's in front of you, you know like this guy's attitude. I was like, man, this guy, you know, he's a badass dude. I'm rooting for this guy. And then, um, you know, as he goes through uh, the story and him, you know, like I said, you don't really get it until you read it and think think about it, like. Wait, these are bad people. I I but write a lot of good bad and bad happens to them. I think <laughs> right, yeah. It what's funny is I just I loved that feeling at the end of that of not knowing how to feel, mm. and I think that even is a a commentary on where you're at as a human. You know, you're like, well, at the end of the day, they're a human, and bad shit happened to them. I, I can feel bad for this person. You know, this is, and then when you tied it in with the the end of it, of course, and you know, seeing that this is a person who wasn't, who might have uh, done bad shit, but they've loved just like all of us. They've been through trials just like all of us, and now they're meeting a, uh, a, a end in a way that's fucking awful. And so I'm like, damn, am I am I getting in my feels about <laughs> this guy? <laughs> this is weird. And so, you know, the the big I think like the big part of me I put into Byron was, um, you know, I. I kind of gave him a chip on his shoulder about like class and stuff. That was kind of what I um, wanted to delve into that. He felt like kind of like a, an outsider a lot. Like, you know, he was in this place. He didn't really feel like he belonged. And I feel like, you know, we probably have all felt like that in some situations, but I feel like Mm -hmm. I felt like that a lot in different places. I moved around a lot as a kid. Um, You know, I remember going to a lot of different schools and feeling like a total outsider a lot of times. So um, it was kind of easy to find those little hooks into a character to make them feel a little bit more real by, you know, mining emotions that you actually had and shit. I always think when I'm like writing yeah. these first person pieces like soft tar- targets or uh, guts of myth, like I, I see it as like I'm a I'm an actor, like I'm, I'm playing a role on the page, yeah. you know, I, I'm doing my my little 30,000 word monologue or something. And um to me, I think it's a, it's a really kind of rewarding way to play pretend, but also like work through some of those emotions and shit. It connects. I mean, it does with me as a reader anyway, so I'm sure it does with other people that read it too. I can definitely, all all that is uh, felt in the way you write, I think for sure. Uh, Let's talk about the, the characters and soft targets. I wanted to know a little bit about the, the narrator. I feel like, I feel like you, like you, John Malkovich, the shit out of this dude. Is that, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I felt like I was in this guy's head. I was, and maybe that's with him, you know, and from his point of view, uh, I felt like, like I was riding shotgun and I've totally pun intended. I was riding shotgun in this guy's brain and like my, I was nervous just waiting for what was going to happen, you know, as, as it, as he fell down the staircase, so to say, you know, and I'm like, whoa, you know, shit, dude, I'm in here too. You know, like, uh Oh, we're, we're going along for this ride (laughs) and there's, there's no way out, you know? And I think just kind of how it was written. And I wanted to know if you kind of left him, um, 
maybe not vague's not the right word, but just a, a little more ambiguous than let's say uh, uh, Ollie in the story. You know, whereas he's he's actually described like how he looks, kind of how he talks, e- even to say I think in the beginning like he's not intimidating. You know, as a man, I think that was one of the lines that kind of yeah. stuck out to me. You know, it was something that that you wanted to make sure. Like I said, you're very uh, bare bones, but enough description where I know exactly what this guy's trying to tell me. So. Uh, is that something you did intentionally or is that for the story? Uh, yeah. Or... I was, when I was writing it, like the narrator, I felt like he kind of had to be, he had to have enough personality in his voice to carry a story. But like the character itself needs to be a little bit of a cipher so you can put yourself in it and feel complicit in what's going on in the story. Um, yeah. The other kind of aspect of that is, um, you know, you, you touched on it where Ollie is a lot more well described through the character's eyes that there's kind of almost the narrator almost has like this infatuation. I kind of feel like with Ollie mm-hmm. um, kind of I feel like the way, you know, a lot of us have with like a friend we admire or something, you know, various work friends I've had where I'm like, oh, man, that dude's so cool. I love that dude. But yeah. also it's like a dude you'll never talk to outside of work. But it's just like oh, somebody. Yeah, absolutely somebody that like you look forward to seeing every day because your surroundings are so miserable. So I kind of felt like that was something I was injecting into the perspective that like, he's almost hyper focusing um, to a point that he's codependent on Ollie because he's um, like just so catastrophically um, miserable in his everyday life. And, you know, one book that I think a lot about, as far as like complicity in fiction is um, uh, Jack Ketchum's The Girl Next Door, um, which is one of my favorite books. It's not like weird horror, which I usually write. Um, it's a little bit more extreme, but it's um, if you haven't read, it's totally about um, these fucking like younger teenage boys who kind of get roped in by like um, this neighborhood mom to torture this young girl. And it's, it's also, I believe it's also first person. And I remember reading it and it's kind of, it's written so beautifully for one. It's, it's a book Mm -hmm. that like gives you an instant, um, just adrenaline rush and an emotional response. It's also a little bit of a fuck you book. Like it's mad. (laughs) It's mad. This happened. And it's, it's so much more because it's based on a true story too, which is what makes it scarier. Right. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, you totally feel like you're going along for the ride. You're like, you're, you're, you're pushing boundaries with the kids as they're kind of like slowly introduced to more sinister elements and stuff, you know, you know, first maybe there's, they're having the mom lets them have a beer or something, you know, and it's kind of naughty and fun, but then suddenly, you know, they're playing a game where they, you know, tie someone up against a tree or something and then it just shit progresses but this whole time you're feeling like you know you're one of the kids and it becomes eerily possible to be right yeah yeah it's upsetting as a reader um and you know for any people who've been victims of something like this but um that was like a big inspiration for me with how kind of i approached um the characters and their dynamic yeah and that's uh going back to funny games, I think that's kind of how I felt as I started going through the book. Like I said, I'm, I'm in this, I'm, I'm side saddle with this guy riding through knowing what's going to happen, but I, I've like, well, I've got to see it. Like, I've got to know, 
you know, where, where's he going to go? I, I already know. There was no doubt in my mind, you know, that mm-hmm. like, there wasn't some uh, caped crusader that was going to come in and stop, you know, this train that was about to, you know, shoot off the tracks kind of reference given current events. <laughs> but, well, Oh, fuck it. You know, but anyway, that's, uh, that's kind of how I felt with, uh, mm-hmm. with that story, which is absolutely what you're talking about there. Um, let's see, let's, uh, I do want to talk about the title reality and where that mm-hmm. came from. Uh, I think it was unique, especially like I mentioned earlier with horror. A lot of times we get into, uh, I guess, gatekeeping sort of, but we just, we, we've seen it all. We've heard it all. When you've con- consumed so much of a, a certain genre, you know, everything starts to be in comparison. And a lot of times people let that get in the way of, you know, just taking the ride. And I liked how in this with title reality, so maybe similar concepts have existed. Movies, whatever. I felt this was still able to feel like an original idea uh, that I thought was super interesting. And the funny thing is, is, is as big a part of the story it is, I don't even think it's, what am I trying to say here? I think like, as I read it, there wasn't a, a really, all these compartments had their own place in the story. There wasn't mm-hmm. one super overarching thing uh, that you could just like, there was no safeguard through the whole story. You know, you had to juggle all these different elements that were going on, whether it was the people, the situation, uh, how things were progressing, um, you know, these different concepts. Uh, it's a lot to take in all at once. And I think that's maybe the length of the story. I think if you had, you know, double the amount, I don't know if it would have been the same story. I think the, the size of it kind of helped. Um, and also your ability to write those things in to where they don't feel rushed and crammed in. So uh, as far as title reality, uh, yeah. What's, what's up with that? <laughs> what's up with oh, title man. reality? Yeah, man. So the title reality kind of came apart um, because I was, well, for one, the, one of the major themes of um, the book is escapism. So um, the, the kind of weird conceit of the story is the title reality where some days are not as real as others and you can go do whatever you want those days and no consequences happen the next day. Except maybe some lingering disgust at yourself or whatever. Yeah, I, um, I, I like that part too. And uh, if you'll dive into that a little deeper too, but that was a part I wasn't expecting where they still had the residual. Yeah, that was, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. And, you know, that stuff, I I like that stuff, too, because it's like um, I kind of likened it to almost like, you know, having a bad dream. But you Mm -hmm. you wake up and you've already forgotten the dream by the time you like take a piss or whatever. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're you're still feeling kind of gross and shitty and you don't know why Um, you can't remember it. You can't put your finger on it quite. It's like if you don't write it down in a dream journal, it just disappears. And yeah. that was kind of the the influence on that. But like, yeah, because this is a book about escapism, um, I needed to give my characters a way to escape. And the title reality um, was that. And I think I think we've all kind of fantasized about like, God, wouldn't it be just so cool if I could just do whatever I wanted today? You know, I didn't have to go to work. Right. I could just, you know, stuff my face with chicken parmesan and you know, <laughs> yeah. do whatever, you know. <laughs> Um, my, my fantasies are <laughs> more Italian cuisine based. That's than right. Characters. Yeah. Hey, that's, I'm not knocking it. That's oh like, man. I want that. Sounds gooey, like a good day to me. Yeah. Gooey cheese pole. Let's just mount that's down right. yeah. fucking chicken parm and we'll that's have right. a predator fest. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> don't have to remember all the night sweats. Just fucking chow down. Yeah, man. I'll I'll skip those calories, no problem. That's right. Yeah. But yeah, it was just a it was just a good way. It, it's something that I think about a lot. I think I'm um kind of um reality the nature of comes up in a lot of my work. I think um including in the guts of myth in kind of a way but also um i had a story with uh the the journal vastarian called the mushroom men that dealt with um kind of like a changing reality too so i think it's um it's kind of a common theme i revisit in a lot of my stories just because i'm personally really interested in it i'm interested in the nature of reality you know why do i have to live here what is there a different version of me that's like happier in this way or has this different life or something? So, um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to explore that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, the, the different planes of reality, especially now with all like the alien TV and all that kind of stuff that gets taught, you know, uh, or ancient aliens or anything like that. All these guys talking about different planes of reality. I do like how even in the book and keeping it, real so to say you you mentioned parts of this that i'm just going to say like hater comments like well what you know well what if this or what if that happened this doesn't make sense because what if x y and z happens or how do you explain this anomaly or whatever so i think even one of the characters i can't remember who even points that out like hey you know it, it might restart for us but maybe it doesn't somewhere else you know maybe there's uh maybe we're just creating new pathways or whatever so uh I thought that was cool that you made mention of that to just kind of say, okay, look, you know, nerds, uh, (laughs) I'll acknowledge it. Let's move on with the story. Okay. Just, just hang on to the concept and let's move forward. Okay. We don't, it's not, this isn't a science book. You know, this isn't the point it's, it's a part of the ride. So let's, I believe that's actually, that actually has a name, um, a trope name. It's called uh, lampshading, I believe where, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know where it comes from, but it's basically like, acknowledging like a plot hole or something strange to the audience to kind of preempt the criticism um for me i thought it just you know it felt natural for the characters to ask those questions yeah sure um but also for me like weird fiction is about characters bouncing off the unknowable they're the title reality isn't meant to be understood if i if we understood everything about the title reality it wouldn't be a weird horror story it'd be a science fiction story um we don't need to know where it comes from we don't need to you know know the complete impact it has on the world what we need to is to understand the emotional reaction of these characters how they bounce up against this thing their internal struggles um yeah because otherwise it becomes just a totally different beast yeah and i think even uh i thought there was a real uh a, a real moment where the narrator says, I don't not believe him. And I thought that would be such a normal reaction. And you think about all these uh, different type of things when people talk about um, what is it everyone does now? Ayahuasca or whatever. And they go to all these planes and see all these things. And when you watch YouTube about all these uh, spiritualists and all these things that talk about, you know, time doesn't exist. And, you know, yet there <laughs> yeah. is no yesterday. There is no tomorrow. There's only the now. And they talk about all these other some burning man shit. Yeah. Just all that stuff. And after, if you listen to it long enough, I kind of feel like I would say that if it's someone that I knew, I'd be like, well, it's, I don't not believe you, man, but like, I'm, I'm trying, you know, <laughs> I, 
I love you, buddy. I'm listening, man. I, you know, I, I kind of yeah. like I'm on the edge of understanding what you're saying, but I'm just not quite where you're at. Anymore. I believe but, it's real for you. you yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, and then too, you mentioned about it being uh, comparing it to to birds flying south. I thought that was a cool comparison of, you know, there are just some things inherent in the world or or in us is is a uh, that sixth sense that things that we don't necessarily understand, but our bodies understand or our minds might understand that we in our present consciousness to get, to not get too far out there that that would understand. So I kind of stole that shit too, from my like personal life. Cause I feel like I have a really good sense of direction for no reason. Um, and <laughs> like, <awesome. laughs> like I, I, I can, I can like, you know, I don't want to say I'm part bird. But yeah, I'm man, is, I'm just saying I know where North is, I like where wherever is. I am, yeah. I yeah. just point to North. But like, meanwhile, my wife, she's just like, I don't, I don't, I have no sense of direction. I have no idea where I am. How would I ever know that? And I'm just like, well, it's just, it makes sense. It just, that just feels like North. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and like for her, she's like, well, no, it doesn't feel like that at all for me, actually. Um, so yeah, that was kind of yeah. uh, another way I was just kind of hand waving that because from my personal experience, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like I know shit sometimes just innately i'm not like a supernatural person at all but you know hey there's there's weird shit out there yeah yeah it's in there yeah absolutely uh let's see let's move on to uh escapism uh versus catharsis which is something that okay that you talk about um that's discussed in the book the themes of it are throughout but you don't really think about it until it's brought up i'll just say that uh, for me anyway, you know, I, I, I understood those themes as I was reading them, but didn't really tie them all together until it was kind of pointed out. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you can talk about it a little bit, but my, the bigger question for me is, do you think this lack of consequences and all that, does that, did you think any about like technology and kind of the current state of things today? And, and let me tie this to, because, uh, being into the punk scene and stuff, you know, yeah you remember the pit back in the day? Like, do you remember? <laughs> okay. Like, do you remember the like slam dancing and all that kind of stuff? You remember the the picture on the circle jerks with the skanking guy? Yeah. And he's like, you know, kicking and punching and throwing knees. Okay. So that's, that's oh, the man. pit, right? That's, you had to be face to face with your, the people you were pitting with. Okay. Yep. Well, now you see stuff and maybe this isn't the punk scene. Maybe I just don't understand more. Maybe it's more of like a, uh, a different, uh, division of metal or something whatever but where they do that weird like uh elephant trunk swinging thing and they're throwing karate kicks and shit but i, they I don't know exactly look. what you're talking about it's yeah, like yeah. i'm gonna try to hit everyone that's not in front of me because if i don't make eye contact it's an accident i'm like look bro this is not about being safe you either come out here and get in the pit or you just hang out and enjoy the show but you got you got to pick i've always heard it called uh two-stepping and it, yeah, I always see it in like the hardcore scene more. And yeah. it, it is funny because I remember the first time I ever went to like a proper like hardcore show, not not punk rock. Like this was all like hardcore bands. And like it, you, you could tell because like everyone was fucking wearing gym shorts. Like everybody just <laughs> yeah. came in gym shorts and they basketball. Came ready to sweat. <laughs> yeah, man. To sweat and, and bleed. And I was like, I like my first show was like against me or something, which is much more yeah. like a, a moshy, like slam dance band where you like sing along. Everyone's holding each other being like, oh, these weird right. things yeah. too much to me. And then like, you know, I go see like Comeback Kid or like Poison Idea or something. 
and like these motherfuckers are, all look like Arnold from Predator, and they're like just swinging. Um, and it looks like you'll like flat out get a concussion if you go in there. Um, I don't know if this has anything to do with soft targets, but I know exactly well, what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some somehow it does. Let me try to reel it okay, back. Okay. Okay. So so what I mean is uh, with uh, escapism uh, versus catharsis, uh, it's uh, I think about passive aggressive culture, and so okay. what I'm thinking about is as far as well to tie it to the punk thing. One just to kind of bring it up, but these guys that are swinging behind them to hit people, it's like, because, well, it's not direct. Like, I don't know this person. I can hit them, whatever. And like you said, it's not hanging out, uh, singing bro him, you know, with your yeah. arm around, you know, your friend, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, oh, that um, takes me back. yeah, that's, I know when I was looking up stuff for this, trying to get the circle jerks guy's name, it brought up TSOL and some of those other bands. And oh, I was like, man. Oh my gosh, I haven't heard that forever. Beautiful. So, and, uh, but anyway, uh, the passive aggressiveness. So thinking about the boss in this story and then, you know, we get that everywhere. Everything's passive aggressive now, everything, because there's no, um, you know, that machismo just, you know, just because you're buff and bigger, you know, you're in charge. Now it's these guys who you don't respect physically. You also don't respect mentally or in any way, you know, you feel like they're not smarter than you. They're not more, uh, adept than you are at whatever it is that you're doing you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, the escapism, uh, I don't know. Do you think it's, do you think that's why that gets mixed up now? Like defining these two characters and how they handle, uh, stress and how they were using uh, title reality, uh, to get through these different things. Cause I feel like one was affected by its presence and one was affected by its absence. Oh, and that's uh, an interesting idea. Yeah. I like that. Um, it wasn't intended, but um, I think you could make an argument. Maybe I think there is a kind of a theme in the book that um, you do need to confront your problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one character figures that out and one doesn't. And, um, you know, I don't necessarily equate it to, like passive aggression, but it may be, you know, just some kind of like. You need some kind of direct action to improve, to make yourself better. Um, And, you know, I I don't necessarily even think their superior is a bad guy. I mean, he is kind of written as a little bit of, you know, um, an obnoxious uh, superior. But I've had a lot of bosses like like him. He's based on kind of an amalgam of several people. Oh, sure. Yeah, Yeah, he's he's um, a boss. For sure. Yeah. You could put a hundred faces on that guy. And yeah, I was thinking about it the other day and I was, I kind of pinpointed it to like one supervisor I, I had back like at my first job when I worked at like Jack in the Box. And mm-hmm. um, we'd always pray, play pranks on him. And he was like the hotshot assistant manager from the store 10 miles away who came to clean up our Jack in the Box. And, um, right, yeah. you know, in all honesty, he was, you know, a, 24 year old guy trying to manage 18 year olds trying to figure out his life too and his life wasn't made any easier by us like putting ice in the fryers and be like oh hey dude under what's wrong with it (laughs) yeah that's (laughs) right yeah (laughs) you know i think as i get older i have a little bit more um uh compassion for those figures because you know in in the book i think kev is just as much a well maybe more of a victim than um the narrator and ollie in some ways but yeah um the narrator and ollie 
lack a little bit of perspective. They lack a little bit of empathy. And that yeah. instead of taking like direct action to better their lives, um, you know, they just, they're, they're kind of stewing, they're stewing and looking into yeah. the void and waiting for it to, you know, call back. Yeah. And I felt that too, as it's funny you say that. Cause as I was reading it, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Am I, okay, which side, which side of the fence am I on here? Like, am I reading this as like a dude in his late thirties trying to, you know, being like, well, maybe if you guys worked a little fucking harder, you know, this wouldn't be a, you know, like I'm the boss, like he's just asking you to do your job. Like, or (laughs) am I the guys who have been sitting in that chair with some, you know, uh, twit, you know, supervisor or something, you Mm -hmm. know, that, you know, just, just knows numbers and doesn't know people. Uh, you know, and comes up and it's just, you know, I, I'm not a person to him. I'm just, I'm either someone who's putting out the, you know, whatever it is, the product or the results or the uh, paperwork or whatever that he needs or not, you know. And I'm that's kind of, that's like the title reality too, you know, yeah. it's kind of like there's, there's these two realities that are distinct, but also simultaneous in a way is like, yeah, uh, you know, Kev's kind of uh, a prick, but also, you know, so so is the na- narrator and Ollie. Um, yeah. You know, no one's innocent. I think it's more um, that uh, the society at large has kind of put them into this situation to play out this tragedy. Yeah. All right. Um, as I was going to move on to Voltaire. Unless there's anything else you wanted to say about uh, that whole escapism catharsis. Uh, oh man, it, it's such it, it's honestly it's such a big topic. Um, I know, because, right? I know. Like, That's what I'm saying. I was like, ah, I know we could probably dive oh, into no. this in front oh, of yeah. thirty minutes. Let's do but, it. Let's do it. But no, yeah, so like, and this is something I struggle with all the time. Is like, you know, I simultaneously want something more than you know escapism and catharsis mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, I always talk about how. I, you know, I don't want power fantasies, you know, I'm so tired of like Marvel superhero movies. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm such a, I'm such a smart motherfucker who only likes indie films, and literary right. horror. Yeah. I'm so cool. And then also, you know, I fucking get wasted and watch MILF Manor. Right. And, yeah. um, and, and oh, Predator. no, dude, tell me you're watching MILF Manor. Dude, Let's just I'm talk about that for the next 45 minutes, dude. okay? Dude, I I absolutely will. I fucking love oh my God. It's dude, the I best love... thing I've, I've ever seen. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, it's been a while since just a real, like, honest to God, tr- uh, trash. Oh, it's know, a train wreck, man. Yeah. Oh, God, man. Oh, Have you noticed, like, it, it's so strange that these, these uh, the men and women, or the, well, the moms and sons, they frequently seem jealous of mm-hmm. each other and these yeah. dating situations i can't and believe they're real people I, right like it's it, insane. it is such an odd yeah and then just, they gotta do all these for those for those of you who don't know what we're talking watch it uh you've trying to promote this book here but yeah there, there is a, a uh, reality show called milf manor and it's about women from the ages of what like late 40s to 60 and yeah. they're, they're dating guys that are from 21 to like 30 yeah something like that and the big the big gotcha in the show is all the boys are their sons so they're all dating (laughs) each other's sons and it's the most awkward most uncomfortable look i've watched thousand pound sisters and i've watched people like pimple popper and all this other gross stuff but like 
this is a new frontier of trash. Oh, yeah, so I didn't good. know. I, I never even knew I could be grossed out by this. And they're I, not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just. Who am I to judge people? But what the fuck? The other day, I literally just watched like a dude floss with a thong that had like a one in eight chance of it being his mom's. And I'm just yelling at the TV like, <laughs> yeah. dude, why the fuck are you doing yeah. that? Oh, and man. I, I'm like, come on. Yeah. So. uh So. <laughs> So is this show escapism or catharsis? That's what I want to know. Okay, it's not. Are you rare? Me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll. Oh man, and they had the they had the massage on blindfolded, folded, so they that could be great. massaging their mom. Oh man, I, and like I, all the moms are making it a point to like moan and stuff. Really? Oh loud. yeah, dude. Like again. You don't yeah. know who's massaging you. Yeah. Why would you do that? And that one guy's trying to look like Sid Vicious, which is just he needs oh, to that dude. Him. I yeah, Gabriel. I, I know him by name. That's how big of a I know, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Gabriel. <laughs> I, I'm I'm, just, I'm sure you were pretending not to know. I, I'm that's proud. Right, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know I Gabriel. call him Gabe, you know. <laughs> we're we cool. Got him on yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'll send him a message. He yeah his his whole like style and look and shit it's it it makes me like fucking uh, collapse like a dying star I, yeah. I I watch it and I'm just like this dude can't be real I I don't know where he's from but like my first thing I saw when he was like dressed up and his like <laughs> fucking finger gloves and painted nails mm. and his leather jacket was like okay just too L A this dude yeah. is too L A I I don't know. If he's actually from there, but this is what I imagine like a Gen Z dude in LA dresses as. Like he yeah. I was I was almost mad. I felt like he was appropriating my culture. That's right. Yeah, you're exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> take your take those studs off your fucking jacket, dude. Yeah, dude. It's like, have you ever been to Gainesville, Florida for fest? You don't know shit. That's right. Yeah. How many no effects songs do you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> But anyways, yeah, like escapism and catharsis, it's to me, it's the biggest part of the book because um, I think there's this constant struggle within us between, um, you know, eating our vegetables and also escaping. And one thing I kind of noticed, like, especially during the pandemic, um, at a certain point, like the world was just it felt so overwhelming, like I could not do engage in any of the art that i thought i wanted to you know yeah. suddenly it was like i am watching you know fucking old episodes of boy meets world i'm watching right. lizzie mcguire i am watching you know sister wives i'm just putting as much like trash and comfort into my life as possible right. um you know old movies and it, it was kind of scary to me because you know i I, I care a lot about art, obviously, you know, mm -hmm. I dedicate a lot of my time to writing, but there's also, you know, w where's that balance in our lives between, you know, w what are, what are we escaping from? Why do we feel so powerless? And I think that's like a huge thing in society right now. If you look at like, you know, cinema, we have so many movies that are completely centered around like power fantasies. You know, look at all the Marvel superhero movies. Yeah. Look at superhero movies in general. They're all power fantasies. They're all like pure escape, escapism, catharsis. You yeah. get to see yourself as the, you know, the brooding badass who fucking beats the shit out of the villain and stuff. Right. And 
you gotta wonder it's like okay so what what's inside of us that is so empty we need to fill up on that right now you know i think back to like you know the 70s the 60s if you go back and look at like the top 10 films like um like box office wise from different decades it's Mm. really eye-opening could you imagine like now like a movie like I don't know, the fucking Godfather or something. Like just a pure drama. It's just it's just right. motherfuckers talking the whole three hours. <laughs> right. Yeah. Being like the top grossing movie in the fucking world. Yeah. That would never happen now, right? That's right. Yeah. No uh, no explosions, you know, yeah. no no big monsters or you know, huge fight scenes. Mm-mm. Yeah, just talking. That that's not gonna happen anymore. So yeah, that's kind of where all the escapism and catharsis arguments come from me is like I, I feel like there's something wrong and I can't shake it. And I also know that I'm a part of it. And, yeah. you know, in the absence of um, solving it, you know, I, all I can do is really talk about it. Yeah. That is, uh, yeah, it's definitely a lot deeper than I thought into. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I totally understand what you're saying. And it, it, it that is an interesting thing to think, though. I hadn't really thought of, you think of superheroes, you think of, you know, kids wearing capes and just wanting to feel, you know, the power that they don't have because they're children. But the majority of these same geared towards adults. So that's yeah. definitely uh, something I hadn't really considered before that, you know, what is it that they're, uh, why are they pushing that particular, I guess, fantasy, you know, of people wanting to be uh, uh, more than or, or you know, godlike or whatever it is, you know, which depending on which movie they're watching, I guess. And I kind of wonder if it's almost because um, of like the internet and how, how big the world is to us now. Like, you know, we're, we're not in the same town. We're speaking over the internet right now. Mm -hmm. You know, our world is um, huge. You know, I regularly talk to people in England and other countries through discord and, twitter and whatever back in you know pre-internet 70s or 60s or whatever there was there just wasn't that experience and i feel like now maybe you know we we are coming up against our own insignificance on like a personal level and maybe maybe we're we're seeking out that you know that main character moment or something right yeah yeah i could definitely see that you just uh just sand on the beach you know there's yeah you know so many you know yeah i could definitely see that it's tough out there for a motherfucker (laughs) that's right man there's so much i know i just saw on the news uh the other day well the news uh instagram reels which is might as well be the news uh about someone on OnlyFans was making like 4.3 million dollars a year and uh i know you think about you know like all the work that went into you creating a book, you know, now, you know, it doesn't have scientific formulas that are going to solve, you know, global warming in it, but you still created something, you know yeah. what I mean? And it involved a lot of people. It involved, it involved readers, you thinking of stuff, uh, you know, your uh, family friends and friends and stuff helping you out and all this stuff that went into it. You know, I, I never want to, put anything negative not going to say you're not going to make 4.2 million dollars i hope you do but the odds of you making it as fast as this girl did from showing pictures of her butthole are you know it's it's sick it's pretty unlikely you know it's pretty unlikely you know the the odds of that and i think it does it 
like you said, people feel so in, insignificant as far as, you know, there's millions and millions of people. How do I stand out? And it's almost like you got to have enough, you know, I feel like you're doing what you enjoy to do, even though you probably have a full-time job as well. Yep. You're, you For can sure. escape through your art, which is right. You know, writing, you might have other hobbies and stuff you do too, but writing I'm sure is like your main, you know, it's just, it has to be, it takes so yeah. much time, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It, it's one of those things. Like once you, once you really get into writing, like I'd almost advise people just, if you're just kind of into writing, maybe just don't get into it at all. Cause it is, <laughs> it's, just it's, no, a, yeah. it's a huge time sink. Um, you know, you, you obsess over really dumb shit you fucking cry over it sometimes you're sometimes yeah. a 30 fucking two-year-old dude crying because you got a rejection and you need someone to pat your back and it's like why would you ever want this fucking future for right yeah. and, Have you seen and that? or go ahead and like the 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 pinnacle of it is you know you you sell like a short story to, for a pro rate to a magazine you really respect and yeah. you know the grand prize is like you know 328 dollars yeah, and I guess that's kind of the uh, a question I thought of to ask was, uh, you know, would you rather sell a hundred books or have a thousand people read your book? You know, uh, oh, I'd, I'd rather a thousand people read it every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. I, I think that's we're not in question, this you know, right yeah, you know, because. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you you guys have said that on your uh, on your Dead Languages podcast that you know if you're in it for the money good luck. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you're, you're gonna, it, you're gonna get burned out and it's, it's just not, if you don't love it, then you're not, you know, you're not going to make it. So yeah. Or or least, if you like, do make a it, different genre, if you want right. to make money or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause horror is not it. I'm, I'm afraid to tell you. And weird horror, even less so, um, like yeah. go write fucking romance or fantasy or something. You might have a better shot, but you know, it's, I, I can't imagine my life not writing. You know, I I, even even when I'm down about it and, you know, I I do get down about it and I, you know, I write something that doesn't meet my expectations or it doesn't get the uh, response I want from beta readers. And it's like, oh, you know, have I have I lost it? You know, do do I suck now? Right. And, And then, you know, you but at the same time, like, I can't imagine myself not writing. So you're just kind of stuck. You know, you you deal with a hurt, you move on. And, you know, you, you write more because honestly, that's, that's just what's going to happen. You, yeah. There's not a choice well, in it at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, I was about to say, kind of like you're saying, I mean, sink, sink or swim, you're going to still, you're going to keep doing it. It doesn't matter yeah, it just absolutely. whether or not it's going to suck or not, you know, it, whether or not you're going to get your feelings hurt or not, you know, that day, or it's yeah. going to be a good day with, you know, positive feedback or getting over, you know, maybe something you was working on or deciding to ditch a project to start something new or whatever, you know, so. Uh, yeah that's it man you, it's really just you you gotta have a uh you know a, a tough fucking carapace um yeah. to go go through with it but um you know i i applaud all the fellow travelers who um just do it because they fucking love it because we like telling stories and i think me as a consumer I, know, I certainly don't read as i'm not a i'm not reading a bunch of books a month but you know for those that do i mean they appreciate it you know so Absolutely, for anyone that's man. a writer out there, as long as anyone reads it, you know, I mean, I think that's, you know, for us, we're just glad that someone's telling a story. And if you can tell a good story, well, that's just a plus. We're going to read Honestly, it. Honestly, like, dude, what you do on the podcast, it 
means the fucking world to writers, especially at like my level. And I know, uh, you know, Scott's level, um, that, that kind of shit, that kind of like in-depth discussion, live reader reactions. The, the thing about writing is that it's, it's so, it's so lonely because reading is such like a, it's an individual experience. You don't really read with other people. Um, there, we don't, we haven't, we haven't figured that out yet. Maybe, maybe one day we can all right. come together or something, but, um, yeah, you don't get it. You don't get that, um, same level of discussion with like seeing a movie with other people or something. So like having your podcast where you do kind of like a deep dive, you know, through the plot, your reactions to everything that is like so meaningful, um, more than most people would know because like when i saw that i was like well okay my fucking month is made like i'm gonna be i'm fucking stoked this is amazing well i I mean i i do appreciate that and it's it's double edged sword though for me because me having not created anything to to say that something is good or bad that's why i try not to ever I, i don't ever give anything like a rating i don't ever say like well this is good this is bad because it's completely subjective, you know, my life experiences and, and whatever don't match up with anyone else. So as I read through a story, I, I just know what I like and I know what I don't like. And the only thing I say to, to give me, I guess, the authority to say anything on it was just I've consumed a lot of horror. You know, I've seen I've consumed a lot of horror and I do it. Objectively as possible. I try to sit down and put all the other stuff I've seen right out of my head and just enjoy what's in front of me and try not to put too many lenses on it you know like is unless it's just specifically trying to be something if it's trying to be political then i'm gonna try to read it politically if it's trying to be shocking or you know uh, violent or mystery or whatever it is i'll I'll try to kind of put that lens on but uh to judge anyone else's work i just kind of feel like it's a a prick thing to do so that's why i try to just talk about it because honestly where i'm at and the whole reason all this started was there's not a lot of people to talk to about this stuff if I go to work and I talked about your book, th- they're going to fucking talk to me. Like someone, somebody's going to, someone's going to be like, what, what the hell, what are you talking about? I'm like, no dude, it's a book. It's really cool. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a manifesto. So I think, yeah. I think you need to talk to somebody like, yeah, that's, that's going to be an HR visit. <laughs> yeah. They're going to give me a number or something, but you know, and I think a lot of people feel that cause uh, like you said, maybe in their private life, they say one thing, but everybody turns into a fucking prude, you know, when you sure. get out in front of others and I'm like, man, you know, come on dude grow up we're all still you know just we're all still the people we were 10 years ago we're just like fatter you know yeah. and hungrier <laughs> like that's it you know we just we're still that same person so but, and, uh, but what what you said about like how you're reviewing stuff to me that really resonates because that, that's how i would define like a, a good critique or a good review is that you know number one you identify the author's intent and then you decide if the choices they made supported that intent and, you know, sure. they met their goal. And, you know, I think that to me, that's, that's good reviewing. That's, that's, yeah. that's what I would like to see, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause sometimes I read stuff and I'm like, you know, this isn't for me, but I, I understand what the author was trying to do and maybe they succeeded, but maybe just what they were trying to do isn't something, you know, I'm really hungry for. Um, and that's okay. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that makes sense. And that's what too, I, you know, to, I got to figure out how to do discord and all that other stuff. Cause that's what I was trying to do is talk to other people. You know, I want to get other people 
not just for, you know, I'm not going to make any money off uh, a podcast or anything like that, but it's fun to have that community. Like you said, there's a billion people all over the world. There's other people that like the same stuff I do. I just have to find them, connect them, and then we can all talk about it. And that's what's cool is to be able to like, you know, watch a movie or read something and then find out that someone else thought the exact same thing. Like, oh yeah, I totally got that part. Or, you know, it said covered, dude. I thought the same thing. I'm like, no way. Yes. Okay. Awesome. I'm not fucking yes. weird and obsessed with cum. It's, it's cool. Like, <laughs> I don't know. What it, I get it. He gets it. Okay, cool. We'll move on. But, but all right, man, uh, let's see. Uh, I'm going to move on to uh, uh, Voltaire because I want to okay. get to him and just a couple of other things uh, before yeah, we time do it here. But if you want to, the, now Voltaire, I know as much as, I guess college kind of briefs you on him. So, okay. you know, I have a very, just, just kind of just, uh, I know as much as I need to know to, to pass the test. So I, I did find a quote from him that said, uh, those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. Oh, uh, I love that. Felt, yeah. Yeah. I felt like that was pretty spot on. Yeah. That's apt. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. With this book for sure. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, as far as like what, what, I quoted you... uh, Candide, right? That's that's what this is from. Uh, in the yes. uh, in Soft Targets, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. I just wondered why uh, specifically him. If it was just kind of like I ah, just pull any, just pull um, a name out, and that's the one I want to use, or him specifically, like why he was significant to either you or the story. Okay, yeah, it was. Um, I had read uh, Candide a little bit, uh, maybe a couple of years before I wrote Soft Targets. And um, the the I, for one, I thought it was fantastic and ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It was a really fun read, despite it being you know from like you know fucking seventeen hundreds or something. And I knew uh, they could be smartasses like that back then too, right? Yeah, it was <laughs> it was like just this absurd romp. It and it you know it poked a lot of fun at people at power and kind of um, people who considered themselves enlightened. And I feel like it really spoke to me at the time because. Mm -hmm. um, of that ending quote about like cultivating your garden. Um, and, you know, to me, I, I took it as meaning um, take, take control of the things you can take control of, um, which I think is like a major theme of the book is like, and I think it's really the only way out through this kind of constant cycle of, um, you know, depression, anxiety, you know, escapism, right. everything is you know the world is a huge fucking place now um yeah. and it's a scary difficult place and but you can't control the world um but you can you you can right. maybe exert change on your neighborhood you can maybe right. do something in your you know your friend group that makes the world a better place in your world your immediate world um and for me, that it kind of it really helped my mental health in a lot of ways being like, OK, you know, I'm going to stop worrying about the shit that I can't control and focus on the shit that I can and yeah. make my own world a better place. Um, you know, I think that's kind of a, a lesson. If there's a lesson of soft targets, I think that's it um, right. of trying to kind of take back a little bit of the control and um stop worrying about the wider world that's just gonna it's gonna stamp you down because the, the world's a lot bigger than you yeah and i like 
I like that you said that if, if there is a lesson, because I do feel like as I read this and maybe someone reading the blurbs and um, just the description of the book itself. And, and, and I'll say this again at the end that if you want, there's a sample of it on Tenebus Press, if you want to yes. read it. So go on Tenebus Press, read a sample of it, you know, kind of kind of get you a little fix of it, a little something so you know what you're getting into. But uh, and then you can really see I think you can see the writing, like I said, even from just those first two chapters. So I think it, it's a good uh, it's definitely a good sampling, you know, so, but I, I think, uh, I, I don't know, to, to me, as I read all those different descriptors and stuff, I thought, is this just going to be some kind of like a book about, you know, mass shooting or something like that? And then in that, is it just going to be a book that's either trying to teach me a lesson on something, chastise me for something? <laughs> uh, you know, something like that, you know, and I think a lot of times because everything's so politicized and, you know, in, in, in some ways, rightfully so, in other ways, not so. But sometimes you just want to enjoy something entertaining. Right. Uh, you know, but I think this book to me anyway, as I read it, and like I said, maybe that's because I'm doing it objectively. I'm not looking for something to be like, oh, I knew it. He was trying to tell me, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm this or he was trying to tell me I'm not this or whatever. Uh, I, I don't think it was any way. Um, trying to point the finger directly or to make any references directly that we're saying, you know, anyone that's got a chip on their shoulder, I think can read this and identify one way or the other, you know, anyone that's got that is, is going to be able to, uh, they're going to twist it into one thing or the other, but I don't feel like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, it, it wasn't uh, intentionally trying to, uh, like you said, teach any lessons or, or type of, uh, strong like strong commentary on one thing or the other you know it, that wasn't really the point as far as just it, it did highlight a lot of stuff I think with uh, uh, and we'll talk about this with you know suicide mental health and all the things you just talked about earlier about feeling small and insignificant and being able to deal with that on a, uh, you, you know with your own mental health and then you know the lockdowns and everything else I think it did do that but it wasn't necessarily telling you to, to pick a side or you're wrong for being one way or the other or thinking one thing or the other, that kind of stuff. So uh, I, I, mean, I don't know if there's anything you wanted to say to that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I think it is a political book, but I think my favorite kinds of political art are ones where, you know, they don't feel like, um, like a, a, a heavy handed finger waving, you know, I think about like, mm -hmm. You know, some of my, you know, going back to punk rock and stuff, some of my favorite bands, um, you know, they they storytell, um, you know, they they talk about politics without talking about politics, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, like even like Springsteen and stuff and, you know, right. John Mellencamp, you know, those kind of uh, 80s storyteller um, rock artists that wrote more from like a... Um, you know, a working class perspective or something, whether you immediately identify, you know, the song Border, Born to Run as political or not, I think it is. Um, right. Yeah. But it, it lurks under the surface and I feel like it makes the message more palatable, uh, more um, entertaining, more interesting because, you know, these are ideas that you can draw out of it. You can think about them. It kind of goes back how, you know, I was talking about exposition and shit. You don't want all mm -hmm. the exposition on the page. You want to leave those connections off the page so that the, 
the reader meets you halfway, and that way, you know, they're they're yeah. they're playing with you. So for me, Soft Targets is undoubtedly like this um, political book with a lot of big ideas. It's very personal. It's about everything, you know. I care about everything I'm feeling, which is also, you know, political in a way, but it's also sure. fundamentally a story. It's a story. It's yeah. um, it, it, it should entertain. And, you know, I think stories, one of the, one of the best reasons I think we have stories is that they can communicate very complex and uh, interesting ideas. Whereas, you know, a simple, sentence couldn't so right. i mean i could just say um i could make a story that just says guns are bad yeah. um but i would say that message pales in comparison to kind of the um the give and take the complexities that i tried to put in soft targets where it's not just a story that you know guns are bad it's a story about you know relationships people being working class office culture, corporate America, right? You know, yeah. the nature of reality and so on and so forth. And it's all of these things. It's not just one thing. I think, um, yeah. you know, it, it can be a story can be a lot of things and, you know, it's all up to the author's choice, of course, but, um, yeah. and, you know, there's definitely room for reader interpretation, but yeah, I mean, I'd say you're right. And also I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool well, I, I think you put it. Yeah. I think you put it well, how you said that there's uh, you didn't highlight one specific thing. And we talked about that earlier in our conversation. I said how you kind of made these different compartments of the story and they each kind of carry their own weight. And the same way, like what you're saying now is that, you know, we're talking about everything from uh, culture, you, you know, uh, there's different layers to what you're saying. You know, you're looking at mental health, you're looking at office yeah. culture you're looking at uh you know gun crime you're looking at uh suicide you're putting all these things together yeah and they all intersect too you, you know it's you know that's exactly yes you know they're all part of the 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 bow tie you know foot that's a stupid mm -hmm. fucking, i don't know why i said that but you know what i mean they're, they're all part of the <laughs> so, uh, it's all a part of the yeah. bolo tie um, really so, <laughs> speaking of that that's right. It's a, <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's, it's a, so uh, let's see. Uh, that that actually goes right into what I was going to talk to uh, about next was just guns and suicide. Um, absolutely. This 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 book is looking at and um, talks about. Uh, I was thinking about the Fight Club reference that someone said this was a lot like fight club and i think it's it's gritty and it kind of has that office culture of like letting the dragon out kind of thing but more so after reading the book i felt like it identified with fight club because of marla singer so if you remember her quote yeah okay I wrote it down but it says her philosophy is she could die at any moment and the tragedy of her life is that she didn't and i was oh, like oh wow. shit yeah that's i know right? yeah, i know i gotta watch too many movies but but uh I felt like that quote for me uh, is more of a fight club reference for this, uh, for this book as, as I read it. Well, after I read the whole thing, I'll say that that quote for me was a uh, um, pretty significant in the story. So, it's, uh, but so fight guns and suicide. was like a big influence, I think for me in like both positive and negative ways. Um, mm -hmm. I was, I was a huge fan 
of Fight Club as a teenager, both the book and the movie, because it wasn't directed by Joel Schumacher. Right. <laughs> That's all it took. So you already got credit there, yeah. Yeah. So, so got, already you're watching. Yeah, plus one right there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as like, you know, a young, as a teenage boy, like, I think you're looking for a lot of ways to like assert your masculinity, find out what it means to be a man. And this is like an entire yeah. book about masculinity. This book is basically drenched in ball sweat. Right, and yeah. Um, yeah. I think over time, and I love the movie too, and it kind of like appealed to like my teenage, like punk sense of like, yeah, fuck the man, secret societies, we're living right. in. That's this right, bed yeah. of used needles and yeah we're dirty and i think over time yeah I've we're gotten, yeah <laughs> i've gotten like more uncomfortable i think with fight club the older i get and i have a little bit more perspective um and part it's partly because of just i'm i i see the cracks in it more i kind of from a storytelling perspective um I think the char character of Tyler Durden undercuts a lot of its messages about like toxic masculinity because it's really hard to avoid the fact that Tyler Durden's really fucking cool. He, right, he's, yeah. he's so cool in the movie, in the book, that you can't help but want to be him, that he presents his own sort of escapism throughout yeah. um, the narrative where it's like, who, who cares what really happens in the third act? Tyler right, Durden's yeah. sick, man. Yeah. So, um, like, when I was writing soft targets, that was kind of one of the things I wanted to avoid. Cause I also saw like, you know, the fight fight club become like the symbol of like, um, kind of like, um, all right thinkers and stuff. And that kind of made me uncomfortable. I didn't really want to be associated with that. Sure. And, um, what that was, that was what I was thinking when I was writing it. It was like, okay, I want to write like a book with no Tyler Durden's. I don't want any of these dudes to be fucking cool. Right. You know, and I, I, think I don't that's, want anybody being like, oh, I want to be Ollie or something at the end. Yeah, of exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's kind of too what I was talking about earlier as far as not being uh, it's it's not message driven in one way or the other uh, other unless you have your own. You know, I guess bias is coming in because just like with Fight Club, I mean, it's it's you either identified with the fact that they had a club that fought each other. And how much do you know yeah. about yourself? You've never been in a fight or did you identify with the fact that you, you know the whole like big business you know big corporate america kind of part of it where they were trying to drop the system you know you'll wear leather clothes that last the rest of your life and yeah all, you know, there, there was two sides to that and yeah uh if it, it was either to blind one eye to only see the other instead of trying to put the two yeah and it's, I feel like it's, to be fair it's i think it's, it's a great movie and a great book i just think you know it's uh it's also one of those um pieces of art that you know it can be it can be challenging because it kind of mm -hmm. presents um a little bit of conflict in its themes i guess and mm -hmm. its messaging but um you know hey yeah. it's it makes you think and it it's it was part of the recipe for soft yeah. targets for and i think sure. soft targets is the exact same thing yeah, I think cool. you can. I'll take it, man. I think you feel the I like it. Read it. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So what you're saying is soft targets can either go like alt right or no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so... I'm oh just man. Kidding. <laughs> Am I gonna be on Joe no, Rogan next week? <laughs> so I know, I know that's right. Yeah. Hey, so I have this all meat diet. I want you to try. No, God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, but no, but what I'm saying is, like I said, if you come in, you know, someone could read this, and I think all you know, if someone creates art, I think that should be the point, you know, we're all looking at the same in, image, but we're all seeing something different. So I think 
you did good with soft targets as far as being able to put your message in there and what you were trying to say and the things that you were dealing with personally and the things that are going on around you and putting them all in there and saying, Hey, here it is. It's pretty plain and simple what I'm trying to tell you, but depending on how you look at it, you're going to see, you know, if it's a picture of a red car, we're all going to see the red car, but we're all going to think something different when we see it kind of thing. So yeah, that's fucking uh, art. I think, I think that was pretty badass. Uh, the, the suicide part, I, I did want to bring up a story uh, that made me think of the, these characters. I'd, I'd worked in, uh, I'd worked, uh, well, I'll just say I, I work in the fire service and we deal with, you know, suicides and things like that uh, pretty regularly. I think a lot more than people, uh, I think it would scare people to actually know uh, oh, how wow. much, you know, we, we deal with this kind of stuff. Uh, and it's from all walks of life. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it's your military veteran. It's your, it's your PhD student. It's your uh, homeless, you know, person who just fell on bad times and just never got back. It's your drug addict. It's your uh, mom that's overwhelmed. It's your dad that's lost his. It's everybody. It's kids. Um, it's something that affects everyone. It doesn't matter how rich or poor. Uh, whether you had your parents growing up or you've been you've had suffered some type of trauma and something that stuck out to me as I read this book. And, you know, like you said, depending on your experiences in life and how you experience the, the story. But I remember I was talking to this uh, girl one time we got a call and she said, we have these list of questions that are pretty standardized of what you got to ask someone if you think they're in this state of mind. And uh I said, are you having any thoughts of suicide? And she looked me dead in the face, not skipping a beat and just said every day. And I knew oh, she meant it. She 100% meant what she was saying. And, you know, we did what we could to get her some help. Of course, we're just first responders. You know, we don't uh, administer anything there other than just talking and whatever. And, and to uh, whether it's a care facility or the hospital or, or something like that, or maybe they might already have someone that they see or get them in touch with a crisis line. But, you know, I thought that in this story, uh, especially with, you know, Ollie and the narrator and everything, these people that are around them have no idea, you know, that they talk about these things and that they feel these certain ways. And so I, I, to me, that was uh, very realistic, you know, that, you know, you work around these people, you're around these people every day and they're going through who knows what. And this isn't a call, you know, for people to like, hey, check on your buddy or whatever. And, you know, if you care about someone, you should. But I thought there was things in this story that referenced that that were uh, that were very realistic. And I thought were were uh, done well. <laughs> but that being said, and just the funny part to me was there a part where he says. Uh, oh, what is it? Ma uh, making offers to the. The merchant of or the angel of death or the merchant of death laying off. Do you no, know the card referencing, re referencing there? Oh, no, I can't remember at all. I, I'm sure it was uh, awesome, so, though. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so like, no, it's no, basically man. where um, it's where everyone at work is is checking on one of the characters. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and, and he's fed up with it at that point. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and so he just sees it all as platitudes and maybe it even says that. But and, and so, you know, okay. I, I, the, the, yeah, so the imagery of that was was I thought was pretty uh, is pretty badass. <laughs> so I wanted to say the first part before I said that it's badass that someone, 
in that state of mind saying that like, Hey, save your platitudes. You fuck, you know, I'm going <laughs> to, this is happening. Okay. And uh, so, but that, that part in the story was, it was a, it was a pretty hardcore line for me. It was like, that's when you knew like, serious you know it's buckle down time like i said i'm i'm john malkovich inside this guy's head already and i'm like uh-oh it's yeah. happening boy it is right. happening yeah there is no i don't know i don't know what i thought maybe was going to come in and save this but like here's what's going to happen now i know for a fact and so uh but is there is there anything you wanted to say about uh maybe uh m- mental health or suicide I, I didn't know if uh it, it, anything that you want to talk about that maybe something uh personally or just people you know or anything that you put in this story because you wanted to highlight uh, these types of things that people are going through and that this is a real thing and it's uh, you know just that it's it is a theme in the story so I guess what brought you to that I mean it's I think it was really that it does happen to everyone that kind of made it um, part of the story for me is you know yeah dealing with kind of the grind of you know capitalism of you know living an unfulfilling life feeling insignificant all of these things are you know um they're they're symptoms of a greater problem or rather um you know depression is and it felt like a really key aspect that i needed to put in the story and when you're talking about people who are um obsessed with mass shootings there's it's hard to kind of sidestep the idea that like yeah i think these guys might be mentally ill a little bit yeah there's something going on there Mm -hmm. you know i think actually most of us probably are especially in the writing world um we all struggle with something i i definitely struggle with anxiety um and depression Mm -hmm. um not not like my characters but um Mm -hmm. they're kind of i kind of see the characters is almost like a like a grand exaggeration of kind of myself um, in different aspects. Yeah, where it kind of feels like you know I, I'm extrapolating to the worst case scenario, um, you know the worst headspace you can be. But um, you know, going back to if there's a moral, maybe the moral is you know get therapy. But again, it's kind of a fucked up moral because not everybody can get therapy in this exactly, country. Right? Yeah. Our healthcare fucking sucks. You know, you, right. you put on a wait list for like two or three months. Yeah. You go in, spend two hundred dollars. They'll tell you to up or lower your dosage, and you, nothing yeah. will change, and you'll just go through that cycle again until you're further ground down by the society you're in. So yeah, yeah I mean, I think a story the story absolutely is hugely about mental health and mental illness and um specifically depression and i think you know it's kind of staring it in the face and being like well no fucking shit we're depressed yeah yeah absolutely yeah and you know i'm I'm of course like really influenced by like legati and shit too and his work really involves um depression and philosophical pessimism so that um, definitely is also a little bit of a vein that goes through soft targets. Um, okay. Kind of, um, oh, yeah, go ahead. So, and and uh, sorry to cut short on that, but I did want to, because my next and and last question really was about Ligotti. So I've okay. noticed in uh, like YouTube uh, things that I've seen you on and, and just different writings and, and stuff when you've commented on things, you, you reference him a lot. 
and I'm sure I'm I gonna do. Say, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to say, and uh, you know, I'm sorry. I have no idea who that is. What? So oh, I'm so okay. sorry. I'm so oh, no, sorry. I'm I know so you want to end the interview right now. We can't. Uh, no, but, I, so I want to tell you all if, about him. Yeah. Well, if you could just, it, so for someone like me that, that likes your writings that are heavily influenced by Legati, if you had to give like a reading list, like it, maybe a, a top three or, or, or okay. anything like that, like what are, what's, what's some essential Legati that I need to, to get into if, if someone likes your stuff. Uh, okay. Okay. So just for everyone, if you're like James and you, you're not intimately familiar with Ligotti like I am, Ligotti is, Thomas Ligotti is an uh, American weird fiction author who lived in Detroit and now lives in Florida, who writes a very specific vein of weird fiction, uh, kind of influenced by Lovecraft, Kafka, and Poe. Um, I believe like one of his first published stories was like maybe early eighties. So he's newer, but not like new he, he's been yeah. around, but his um, style has become uh, so influential. You know, we call a lot of writings Legatian now. What makes his writing uh, unique is he's one of the best stylists in uh, the horror genre. He's got a very um, specific style. You can pick him out. Um, no problem out of a lineup. And his work revolves around kind of his own worldview, which is philosophical pessimism. And this is kind of like a step further than just regular nihilism, um, where Ligotti believes that being alive is bad. Like, he, he hates it. He thinks it's, consciousness is one of the worst things put on humanity. And as you can imagine, this is a very unique point of view that makes his horror very different than everyone else's. Yeah. Um, so Lagatti himself, he uh, has, you know, a, no a number of mental health issues. He's, you know, suffers from severe depression, anxiety, agoraphobia, I believe. And, um, you know, uh, I believe he actually has like, you know, stomach pain, too, or something, uh, something mm -hmm. going on there. So from his perspective, he was, you know, put on this earth essentially to be afraid to suffer. He's got like bad anxiety. He's afraid of everything. He's sad all the time. You know, of course he would think life is bad. It sucks wow, for what a, yeah, that's, that's crazy. What have you, it, it's, it's always amazing to me. Uh, someone that comes from that, that creates something that everyone, you know, that pain is creating so much, I don't I hate to say joy, but you know, like you said, he's, he's so uh big that you know now his he's a verb you know he's yeah or he, you know so uh but it all comes from a place of just like this guy suffering uh which... yeah and his he's like absolutely one of my favorite writers and i think one of the things that people really like about legati is that when they read his writing they feel seen because yeah. i think a lot of yeah, us struggle in different ways and it's nice to have someone say no, this isn't all roses. You're right. This does fucking suck, man. You should yeah. be pissed. This, this blows yeah. sometimes. Um, for recommendations, had a Yeah, you know, you know, who wants? Because you know, toxic positivity is such a thing. You know, nobody. If you're feeling down and beaten by life, if your brain chemicals do not allow you to be happy. You don't want to hear yep. someone just be like, oh, well, you know, just cheer up. I was like, well, fuck you. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's brain, right. Yeah. My brain doesn't. You want, do yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want someone to say, hey, you're not okay. And that's okay. You yeah, know, let's, exactly. Let's talk about 
the not okay part right yeah exactly yeah so anyways books that i love by legati i think there's a couple um well there's everything he's written i recommend but i okay. think a great starting point is um the songs of a dead dreamer grim scribe short story collection that um penguin released uh maybe like six or eight years ago or something like that those are his first two collections and they're like a great kind of primer and his themes in this collection they're not as well developed they're not like out front like oh this is all about like you know how horrible life is they're they're lingering a little bit they're they're under the surface but they're there they still function as um great weird fiction stories if you want more of the philosophical side of legati where it's just it's coming out on the page. Stories are more designed around his worldview. I would mm-hmm. say the collection Teatro Grotesco is fantastic. It has one of my favorite horror stories of all time, uh, The Red Tower. It's one of oh, those great yeah. stories that has like no characters, but it's just describing this weird thing. And it just gets weirder and weirder and weirder. <laughs> um, you can find it online for free, too. I think I think it was uh, published by an online zine somewhere um, as a reprint at some point. So I uh, definitely re- recommend Songs of Dead Dreamer and Grim Scribe plus Teatro Grotesco. Um, he also, though, has one like novella novel that was a huge influence on Soft Targets called My Work Is Not Yet Done. And this also has Ligotti working in a similar area, but it also a distinct, um, distinct to his other fiction. Because Ligotti writes his philosophical pessimism stuff, but he also writes corporate horror influenced by his time uh working at a as an editor um in a corporate uh setting and this this is probably legati it is most <laughs> accessible and it's a lot of fun he has like just some fucking killer quotes throughout it that just make you like they make you want to rage and be like fuck yeah dude you said it man i get it um <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i get it, i get it <laughs> like oh yeah it's so good but um, all of those are just fantastic. Um, I love everything Ligotti has done. And he's a huge, he, he will continue to be an inspiration to me, uh, you know, for the rest of my life. When I first read him, it, it, it expanded what my view of horror could be. And then also made me appreciate what makes good horror is mining whatever your unique perspective is, whoever you are as a person. And some people be like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not like Ligotti. I don't have a, um, you know, severe mental illness that makes me think sure, life, yeah. life is malignantly useless as he says he has a philosophy book too called the conspiracy against the human race and that's a refrain throughout it life is malignantly useless um <laughs> where he argues his worldview uh, um quite competently it, it's kind of yeah. almost a dangerous read um because you really get it yeah but um well, yeah i mean if he's lived it then he would absolutely know you know be the authority on it you know what i mean yeah. it's it's one of those people where you can't he's not a he's not just talking about it he's you know actually about it so that's if you a, ever do an episode on legati or something man have me back on i'd I mean, I'll have you all day <laughs> man yeah. i will i'll just I'll, tell you I'll, which I'll book it is and then i'll just let you talk oh dude <laughs> Since, you know yeah i don't want to i don't want to disrespect i don't want to disrespect legati with my uh uh, just down to earth, like, well, it was pretty good. You know, we had some good stuff in there. <laughs> He's awfully negative, <laughs> but I get it. Counter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's what I want, you know? So, but uh, yeah, man, well, that's, well, man, that's awesome. Um, I'm going to have to wrap it up here. 
I think uh, this cu- is going to cut us off here in about five minutes. So, okay, um, but yeah, I definitely wanted to get the Ligotti references in there just for, for everyone listening, but also for myself. So I know where to kind of, kind of dig in and to, to get familiar with his work. Um, I just want to say the, the book again is soft targets. It's available for pre-order at Tenebus press. You can read uh, the excerpt on, on Tenebus press's website. Uh, I believe I saw on your uh, Instagram that you have a release party on March 19th at the Rose city book pub at 7 PM. Is there anything else you want to say about that? Yeah. I'm going to be, reading a little bit from soft targets. I might read a short story or something. Uh, I, I don't know what I'm going to read, but I'm sure it'll be dope. And I'm very excited to um, celebrate kind of like my, my first standalone release from a small press, which is very exciting for me as a young writer. Yeah. Awesome, man. Uh, you got a website, carsonwinter.com. Yep. You got yeah. it. I just updated it too. So like you can actually find my shit now. Okay. Yeah. So, so it, the newly updated, easy to navigate CarsonWinter.com. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, new podcast, Dead Languages podcast with co-host PL McMillan. Yep. Episodes are out uh, every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Dude, I listen all the time. I think it's hilarious. Oh, I'm glad you, you like guys it. If you guys haven't checked it out, I, I try to share it whenever I can. I just, you guys back and forth is, is very natural. It's my kind of humor. Um, I think the fact oh. that you're, you're both writers is, uh, it just it adds a, a different element that other horror podcasts, you know, that 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 I don't get from the other horror podcasts. So that's that's another reason I like listening to you guys. On- yeah, if you guys love hearing about like dog dicks and shit. Like you guys are gonna love this podcast. <laughs> oh I wasn't it. sure <laughs> if like I was gonna like tank my writing career or accelerate it with the podcast, <laughs> but um, it's a lot of the, fun to do either way. Uh, to just to give everyone a. Uh, an example today's episode uh, was about werewolves yep. and I believe you made a reference to, well, no, this wasn't even about werewolves. This was just about old man sack and it having rings <laughs> like a tree that you could count the age. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and PL was like, is that, is that really what happens or something? You were like, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> It's a really it's a really fun podcast. And for those of you who are writing or starting to write or interested or just don't know where to go, uh, I think you guys uh, you have an email, um, you have a Patreon, you have other things that are available. If people have questions, you also talk a lot about um, the biz and just being a writer. And I think that helps, too, where you talk about, you know, where here you guys have stuff that's, you know, for sale, things that you've written that have been published in a. but you still have the same, I think, worries and issues with writing that I think someone starting out or maybe even people who have been writing for a while would have. So I think that makes the podcast, you know, that much more interesting. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to uh, thank you again for uh, talking to me today about, about the book soft targets and if anything else you want to say, I'll let you uh, Send oh, man, dude, you, you, you got it all, man. Uh, thank you for having me on. This has been so much fun. <laughs> I got to say, you're you're a very good interviewer. Uh, you, you don't give yourself enough credit. You're very naturalistic and fun uh, to talk to. So I, I had a great time here. I definitely want to insert myself into your podcast as many times as I can. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Soft Targets is coming out. Have a website 
Dead Languages Podcast, as James said. Um, you know, you can follow me on Twitter, Carson Winter Three, Spoutable at Carson Winter, whatever. Instagram at Winter Carson. I got lots of shit coming out in the near future. Um, so yeah, if if you're into me, uh, check me out. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Just James Horror Reviews and this interview with Carson Winter. I hope that you'll go to the TenebusPress.com website, pre-order the title, and check it out for yourself. I also want to let you know that the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 988. You can call or text that number if you or someone you know is having any feelings of suicide or suicidal thoughts. Reach out. Get some help. Talk to someone. Someone out there cares. We love you. Take care.